0: This is Corolla Digital.
1: Hello, my little number two pencils. Before the show officially starts, a few words. Like, I should tell you, it's me, Allison, in case you're wondering who this is. You might be confused because I called you by an office supply as opposed to a meat or a carb. It's something new that I'm trying. And someone on Twitter suggested number two pencils, and I thought, yeah, that fits, that works. Anyway, uh, I believe we have an iTunes comment of the week.
2: Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them, yes she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and
3: don't forget
4: to click five stars. Alright, our iTunes comment of the week comes from Handlewoman, and it is titled, Oh my dear Allison. I'm a dust jockey with an IT job, and I truly enjoy listening to your podcast. Not only are you intelligent and witty, but I appreciate how articulate you are, even when tackling personal and potentially embarrassing topics. Thanks for brightening my day. Please keep sharing. I will definitely be listening. P.S. As a fellow female, I am still surprised sometimes by Aunt Flo and her crazy antics, even after 30 years and three kids. Your candor was enjoyed and my prayers are with you. Smiley face. Winky smiley face.
1: (laughs) I've never heard you pronounce emoticons before, Gary. I think Um, that's our first one. I know. I know. Well, thank you so much. Handlewoman? Is that what it was? That was that was a sweet comment. And I think my favorite part is that uh, this period thing just won't die. And Gary can't get enough of it. Am I right? <laughs> you can't hit your button and then stare at me and sigh. Because the audience can't hear what's going yes, on. Yes, they can. Now they can hear yes, it. Yes,
4: they can. I had it open. I've listened back to these. They can hear my sighs. Okay. <laughs> I have no... I have nothing nice to say, so I'm deciding not to say anything at all.
1: Oh, Gary. Didn't you have older – you have sisters, right?
4: I have one older sister, but she's so much older than me that I never really had to endure this. She's, <laughs> she's 16 years older than me,
1: so. Oh. All right. Say no more if that explains why you are so uncomfortable with – with um. With things that are so just natural and female and earthy, earth mothery, goddessy, all this stuff. Oh, don't roll your eyes at me. I'm just kidding. You know that. I don't know if you're rolling your eyes at me or if you're rolling your eyes at whatever the hell is going on. Oh, it was? A little bit. I want to blame it on all the other stuff going on. That would have been nice. There's stuff going on, you guys. I don't know what it is, but I see people walking around. That's basically what it is. But usually there's no one walking around when I'm doing this. It's distracting me. I think we have time for a fan phone call.
2: call. I
1: call. I believe we'll be calling Luke. Hello. Hello, is this Luke?
0: Uh, yes, this is.
1: Hi, this is Allison Rosen. From Allison Rosen is your new best friend. What? Yes. It
0: is? Are you serious? I really am. Wow, I thought this was my friend Mike. No. Wow, you really sound like Allison. Wow, it's really you. That's crazy.
1: I know. Gary's here, too. What's up? Hello,
4: Gary.
0: How's it going, man? Hello.
1: What what were you expecting to talk to Mike about?
0: Uh, well, he just sealed the deal on a new house, actually.
1: Oh, good Um, for him.
0: Yes. What, yes. Very
1: what kinda of house is it?
0: Um it's well it's a small quaint little house in the valley. Um used to belong to an old lady, but she uh Died. moved on to a different place, a different house, um uh, home or something. Yeah.
1: Like moved on to a different home in heaven or she just lives somewhere else? Uh look okay, yeah, no,
0: not in heaven yet, but uh somewhere else.
1: Hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I ex- the interesting thing is that I expected that you were going to say that Mike was calling you to talk about drinking some beers or something, and then when you said that Mike was calling you to t- because he just bought a house, it just made me feel really old.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it makes me feel like a loser. To tell you the truth.
1: Do you not I, own property? Because I don't own property. I don't. What What's your story? I, what's your story, Luke?
0: You know, <laughs> you know, I'm um, living with living with the rents, uh. And um, just working, trying to save up to make the next move. Yeah. And, uh, that's where I'm at.
1: So you're living with your parents. Now, did you move back with, in with them, or did you never move out?
0: I actually did move out to go to school, college, and then I moved back in.
1: I did that yeah. for a little while. It makes you feel really mm. pathetic, right?
0: Totally. Totes.
1: Yes, I did that uh, when I moved... Yeah, I, I went to college, and then I came back and lived there for a couple years, and then I moved back out. And then when I moved back from New York, when I moved to California, I, I went back, and that way that was even harder, because then I was old. But I was out pretty quick, but still. Yeah, it never makes you feel like, oh, this is exactly how I planned it.
0: Right, totally, yeah. I would not want to move back in after moving back out again, but I am I don't think it'll happen, because... I don't think my dad would let it happen. He'd probably see to it
1: that yeah. it
0: wouldn't ne- never happen.
1: But it's super common, and it's actually helpful. Like it, it, it allowed me. I'm, I'm happy yeah. that I was able to save up some money at that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. So exactly. what? What's the yeah. dream? What do you want to do?
0: Uh, well, um, you know, try to uh, trying to figure out what exactly I want to get into. I thought I liked restaurants, but. Um, you know, it just doesn't pay the bills as much as I wanted to. Or at least part-time work doesn't. So I'm working full-time, but I want to get into like TV production or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I don't. It's hard to get in there. So once you're once you're in though, you're in. But it's uh, hard to make that step. So it's like I've had some interviews here and there, but I, right now I'm not really working there. But I'm working at a you know related to that field, but not quite related as much as I'd like. So I'm just Getting money, saving up a little bit. That's Wait, you're working related
1: to the field, but not really. What does that what What does that mean? Well,
0: yeah. Well, the company I do, I work for. We uh, we upload movies to the internet, you know, so like iTunes.
1: So you work for iTunes?
0: No, well, not for them, but the company that it's goes similar. through them.
1: So. Huh? Hmm. Yeah. Are you a raging asshole? Because Gary and I had some experience with something very tangibly related to this, and it was very difficult for us.
0: Am am I? No, I'm I'm not not an asshole. I know. You don't seem
1: like one at all, but I'm just saying our limited experience with people who upload things via a service to iTunes has not been positive.
0: Well, I can tell you the people around me in my office, a few of them are assholes, and I've... I don't know. They they have actually become nicer, but a few of them are still just the same.
1: So. Yeah, what is that about? I feel like Gary wants oh, to say they, something. You are yeah. vastly underselling how, how awful it was. How for us? much
4: this sucked. I just I just used the service again today mm-hmm. and had to tell somebody that it our thing will probably go up in the next thirty six to seventy two hours. But keep in mind that the last time I said that, it took 29 days, and
0: that's a true story. That's not exaggerated oh. one bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, I can see that happening in the upper departments because it seems like one person says one thing, but they don't know that he said that, so they're telling this person on the other end that this is going to happen when yep. really they don't know anything.
1: They're just peddling bullshit.
0: Yeah, and there's some long hours going on for some people, but uh, or doing two jobs, so they're mm-hmm. getting uh, getting crazy. So,
1: Luke, do you have yeah. a um? Uh, um, are you in love?
0: Um, no, but I have a date this Thursday. That's exciting.
1: What's yeah, what's it is. what's the story with the date? Where did you meet this lucky person? <laughs> I'm trying to be um, so gender neutral because I don't know if you put it in ladies or men.
0: Oh, she. Uh, it's a lady. Yeah.
1: I assumed, but I just didn't want to assume. Oh yeah,
0: of course. Um, yeah, she, I met her at the place, the restaurant she works at, actually. Oh. Um, yeah.
1: That's Bartender. that. So this is a this is a date that is not born of the internet. Congrats.
0: No. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah my first time actually getting a, a number out to somebody that worked somewhere, and they they took me up on it. So. Yeah. Here we go.
1: Well, that's awesome. What are you guys going to do?
0: You know, probably go to lunch. Um, and she works later that day, so just play it easy. Have a little cool, low key date, and or low key lunch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess it's a date, yeah. And uh, yeah,
1: it's a lunch date.
0: It's a simple lunch date, yeah. So nothing too crazy.
1: Well, that's and then, uh, that'll be. You know. You'll have to tweet us and tell us how it goes. Unless she follows you, and that would be embarrassing. And and how did you start listening to me?
0: Um. So yeah, I heard about Adam Carolla through. Uh, I heard Adam through Dennis Prager. Even though I I knew about Adam before I knew about Dennis, but then Dennis was like, "I hang out with Adam Carolla," which was a total surprise to me. <laughs> so, I was like, "Okay, I'm going to give Adam another shot," and then. I'm just bored at work, looking for things to do sometimes, listen to a lot of uh, radio, so figured your show would be cool, and it was, so I'm happy I did. Thank
1: you very much.
0: Um, yeah, and you sound your voice sounds just like my godmother, by the way. You guys sound identical. You guys are very positive and upbeat, and uh, so yeah, you kind of sound like her also, which keeps me listening sometimes.
1: Huh. Well, she yeah. sounds like she probably has a lovely voice.
0: She does. She's a very nice. Lovely what is she, woman. What does she do? She, what does she do? You know, it's a good question. I don't know. I uh, don't, do not know at the moment. She. It, I know her husband's a lawyer, but so I don't know. Maybe huh. she's at home right now, but. Right. I, I think she works at a school, I thought.
1: I mean, I oh, feel like with this voice, she should really work in voiceover. She should consider it at the very least. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll have her give you with a. With our tweet. voice.
1: That's what she should be doing.
0: I know. I'll tell her. Yeah. I already told her that she sound, you sound like hers, so maybe she listens to you since now and then. Next time I see her, I'll have to ask.
1: Yeah. So. Well, let her know that she also has the same voice as my sister. There's three of us. <laughs> so my sister and I pretty much have the same voice. Wow. Only one of us can okay. use it at a time. Listen, Luke, thank you so much for answering the phone. I'm sure this was weird and unexpected because I didn't tweet about it earlier. So, you know. No problem. Yeah. All right. Well, have a my good pleasure. night and best of luck you on too. the date. Okay. Bye, thank Luke. Thank you.
0: See you
1: guys. Bye. 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 He was very chill. That's yeah. how I would describe him. Yeah, absolutely. I liked him. Go Luke with, with being nice and friendly and answering the phone and thinking I was Mike. Anyway, I want to tell you guys about a few of our delightful sponsors. Go to my PC. The weather is crappy. It could be cold crappy. It could be hot crappy. It could start hot in the morning and be cold at night or vice versa. I don't know how it is where you are, but where we are, it is insane. Um, But actually on the East Coast, it's like the coldest it's been in forever. And if you're stuck in a place where it's the coldest it's been in forever and you need to get to the office to get to your computer, you're pretty much screwed because your car could be frozen shut. Or other things that happen in bad weather. What I'm saying is, in this day and age, you should be able to get to your computer from wherever you are without actually having to physically be in the same place as your computer. And now you can do that with GoToMyPC by Citrix. You can access your entire office computer from home or vice versa. You don't have to risk a dangerous commute or worry about falling short on a project. GoToMyPC is a secure remote access tool that allows you to connect to your office computer from any other computer or mobile device. You can access all of your work files, programs, and network from wherever you are, whenever you need to. Um, be prepared. Set up GoToMyPC today. It takes just a few minutes and it's really easy to use. Try Go to my PC free today with a special 45-day free trial just for my listeners. Visit GoToMyPC.com, click on the Try It Free button and enter the promo code Allison. Then download the free app to your iPad or iPhone. That's GoToMyPC.com, try it free, promo code Allison. Also, Vistaprint. Vistaprint is a place to go where you can get customizable marketing and promo things for your business, for your brand, for you. And as I've said before, and I'll say it again, you are your brand. Uh, and there's all sorts of things you can can create at Vistaprint. But what I want to point you guys in the direction of is their calendars. I'm a big calendar fan. I know that everyone has a calendar on their phone. Um, well, I assume that you have the kind of phone where you have a calendar on it. It's 2013. Of course you do. But I think it is super useful to be able to just look at my wall and see puppies, but also know what day it is and also know what's going on. Uh, and you can get all sorts of calendars at Vistaprint. You can include personal photos, text, images, and captions, notes for special dates, any starting month you want. It, they're fun, unique, and affordable and it makes a great gift for customers, friends, and family. Again, i said this before, that if there was a... Uh, if If a company gave me a calendar, I would use it. You know who hasn't given me a calendar? Anyone. No one has given me a calendar lately. What is up with that? Wall calendars, desk calendars, poster calendars, wallet calendars, magnets, and cards. They have it all. Choose from hundreds of calendar templates. They're easy to design and order. And there's a special offer right now. All calendars, including wall, desk, poster, wallet, and folded, are 50% off. And you get free shipping on your entire order if you spend more than $30. Visit www.vistaprint.com bestfriend to get this incredible offer. Just go to www.vistaprint.com bestfriend and this is a big deal. Satisfaction is guaranteed. If you're not happy, they will make it right. No risk. Everyone should have that. Also, you guys, Valentine's Day is coming up soon and you don't want to screw this up. Now, you're probably thinking I'm going to tell you about flowers or chocolate or something sweet. I want to talk about sex. Go to bettersex.com and learn how to be a star in the bedroom. Because you might think you are right now, but are you really? I mean, really, are you? I mean, even if you're good, you can always be better. Bettersex.com has dozens of videos of real-life couples. Steamy. Demonstrating tips and techniques that will rock your partner's world. And there's also webinars and expert advice brought to you by the Sinclair Institute, America's trusted leader in sexual health. At BetterSex.com, their slogan is More Sex, Better Sex, More Often. I think that's Gary's slogan. So get to BetterSex.com today. If you type in the word friend into the coupon code, you'll save 50% off any one item, get three videos, and free shipping. That's BetterSex.com. Type in the word friend, you know, since it's Alison Rosen's new best friend, at the coupon code, and it's a great deal, and you'll turn your love life into a wild ride you've always wanted. Because great lovers are made, not born. But maybe you've been born a great lover. I mean, who's to say? I'm just saying you could be better. And that's pretty much what I say in the bedroom, too. I'm like, you could be better. Anyway, it's here, you guys. The episode with Rory Scovel. He's possibly the nicest person I've ever met. And I feel like I've said that before. But he's really actually you know what I'm just I'm stepping on myself because at the beginning of the episode we talk about how nice he is because um, he's just that nice and funny I'm I'm gushing. I can't stop saying stuff about him. I just like him that much. Okay here we go. I love you guys. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It's me, Allison, and welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. My guest today is comedian Rory Scovel, and I need to clear my throat. throat) Okay. (laughs) Since you've been here, already a few semi-awkward but okay social things have happened, Mm -hmm. the very first one being... You came in and I went to give you a hug and you went to shake my hand. But then you're like, get over here. And I was thinking that is such a good way to make the other person not feel weird about it. Like as if you wanted me to get over there the whole time.
3: You know what? I want a hug uh, all the time. But you and I are new to knowing each other.
1: Right. Maybe I I was a little forward. But I like
3: that. that. I'd rather that because I always go with the handshake handshake because I'm always too afraid. But when I go for the handshake and someone goes for the hug, I get—I'm so happy. You're afraid like, Good. of the I,
1: rejection. Well,
3: especially as a as a guy and right. a girl, right. You coming with the handshake and me going with a hug. Just in my head, I'm like, oh, I seem like I just wanted to squeeze her.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. Well, see, but you can pull it off, and and. I hope this doesn't sound too forward, because you're nope. an attractive, non-creepy guy.
3: Thank you. But
1: there's been plenty <laughs> of creeps who've been in here, and I feel like they they should stick to the handshake instead of whatever they're— And they're going
3: mega-hug yeah, right they out are. of the gate. Right.
1: Yeah. And then sometimes people do the hug where it's so kind of— austere that it's like i feel rejected by that hug like thank you for the very like i'm not even going to touch you with my arms slight tap thing yeah i've seen that
3: happen with other people i've seen like that the person kind of react that way yeah i saw a hug happen where i saw the person's face the person hugging was really like oh come here like giving a good hug yeah and i saw the person's face and arms i was like oh they do not want I've
1: been that person (laughs) where I think if I'm like tired or I don't know what but just my social sense isn't quite calibrated, I'll kind of go for the like hold hug and they're just going for the I don't know you that well hug and then I feel like I was trying to get some comfort. What was I doing? Yeah. My description made it sound a little more pathetic than it was. It I, was meant to just be a slight awkward thing, not a sad, please love the world <laughs> kind of thing that it really is.
3: When I uh, the the this sounds like a weird humble brag, but it's not. Okay. Um, but this same scenario happened uh, when I did Conan. Mila Kunis was the guest, mm-hmm. and uh, it's the first time I've done something where people, the guests, actually stayed and like watched the comedian. And so after. After we were done taping, I didn't know if the the cameras were still taping, like, during credits or stuff. Right. So she was walking towards me, and in my head I was like, there's no way I'm going – hug style uh-huh. and there's ever going to be footage of her with her hand I'll just shake my <laughs> hand and I'm like no you <laughs> hug me so from that point on I'm always especially if it's a woman I'm always just like I'm going to wait and see what they do I'm going right. to see what's happening right. and all right okay
1: would it help you and your kind if I were to be like hey Rory hug Yes. To just announce my intention. In fact, from
3: now on, that's what we're doing. <laughs> <Okay>. Hugs.
1: <laughs> that sounds good to me. Oh, now talking to you is reminding me of another awkward situation. They're not that awkward, but another another thing that happened. Um, so you and I first met on um, Doug Benson's uh, uh. Doug Loves Movies yep. podcast. Yep. And then we also recently did um, the movie Interruption. Is that what he calls it? Yeah. where we Doug watched... Benson's
3: bringing us together. He is. <laughs> right? Thank you,
1: Doug. <laughs> um, where we watched Love Actually and interrupted it with Zach Galifianakis. That was so fun. He's so funny. Yeah. And Doug and me and you. Were you
3: nervous during that show?
1: I wasn't nervous during it, but I... Beforehand, wondered should I be what should I be doing to prepare for this? And then afterwards, I thought that was that whole. F- it was really fun yes. and really for me entertaining because I was laughing so much while other people were you know interrupting. But of course, I also was keeping a, a little bit of a tally of like how much of the things I'm saying are yeah, and am I talking? Well, it's the funny thing though is that actually, Doug, the first time anyone has ever said anything like this to me as a performer, Doug was like. Don't feel pressure to talk a lot.
3: I loved that.
1: That was, yeah.
3: Yeah. Because I love Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh-huh. I watched it all the time. So doing shows like that are my favorite. Watching a movie and doing jokes. The only thing, I love that he was like, it's okay to not talk a lot right. and just kind of watch the movie. The only thing about that type of show is you do, if you do think of something to say, you have to fool on commit and say it. Yes. And the bad part is like on stage if you do that then you're like, oh, no one thought that was funny. You can riff and get out of it. But with that, you have to sit in your bad joke right. because you can't keep interrupting no, the movie with like, can't. well, I thought that was funny because unless someone makes fun of you, yeah. then you're trapped in it. I I feel like I had about three or four where there was just no reaction. I was like, oh, I
1: should stop. I, I stop. <laughs> see, I feel like the audience, like the audience had an energy of their own where at the beginning they were laughing a lot. And then I felt like we got into a part of the movie where like, they just because people were saying funny things, and they just weren 't really reacting like, yeah. I think they just were laughed out for a stretch of it
3: right they were just know. into the movie, yeah, but yeah. I do
1: feel like that it 's a special kind of skill to be able to do like. It's a special kind of skill. <laughs> but something that made me realize that was when we just saw a woman in bed and then Doug made a fart sound. And yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, that's the perfect kind <laughs> of joke right. for this. Yeah, That hadn't occurred to me. Right. But when Zach did that thing where he was opening up the candy and it went really like crinkling <laughs> for so long, um, and then when he was like, he's all, ah, and then was biting M&M's, so I was like, I had thought of doing that. Yeah. But I feel like he can pull that off better than I can.
3: Yeah. I, I thought it was so funny how long he just kept doing. I know. Because I, I know what you mean. I've been like, oh, if I did that joke, I probably would end for like a 2nd like, get it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean like I can't tell which side of the funny slash annoying uh, thing I'm on. Yeah. But, but anyway, so after the show, um, my boyfriend Daniel was talking to you and he said something. He was – I forget. I think we were talking about uh, how I would contact you – To be on this podcast, which we have to circle back and talk about that. But um, he said – he made some reference to like, hello, hello, which was a reference – something that you do on the Todd Glass show. Oh, the Todd Glass show. Yeah. Yeah. But then – but he realized that you didn't realize realize that's what he was saying. But you like (laughs) went along with it anyway just so that he wouldn't feel weird. Oh, what did I say? I don't know. Like you kind of riffed on it. Yeah. But – it was clear to him that you didn't realize that he was referring to talk last oh, No, no, no. I had no. the worst
3: showing at the end of that no. show. <laughs> no,
1: that's the thing is that he's like, he's such a nice guy that he didn't get my lame joke because he felt like he didn't do it right and that's why you didn't get it or whatever. But he's like, he's so nice that he wanted, he went along with my thing so that I wouldn't feel weird about it. Oh, so man. we think you're the nicest guy ever. I'll take it. And you it. are.
3: I'll take it. And then it and then you see footage of me in the car. And I'm like, "Who is that hello thing?
1: Who does he think he?" Is?
3: Just the he says that. hello
1: to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so a second ago we were talking about the fact that I said to you, "How do I get in touch with you for my show?" Yeah. Now take it away.
3: Well, I uh, and and it is it so strange that it stumped me because I was just going to give my phone number. Um, or just, like, text you. And the only reason I, I made it weird when I was like, oh, I don't know if I should give the number was because I, I didn't want to put you in a position of where you're now giving. I would then have your number. Mm. And it's it, that's so weird to me that that was I, – I think it's kind of a weird thing of me to be like, oh, that's the math on that social equation. Right. When really it's just been like, no, here's my number are, who you, really are you cares? saying it's
1: weird that you initially thought, she's a huge star, I'm just Rory, when in reality we're the same? Because I, I take offense at that. Well,
3: no. I thought, I thought, <laughs> I thought it was just, just – I was like, oh, I don't want to ever get, put someone in a position where they're like, oh, now I have to share my phone number.
1: And the funny and was like, thing oh, is maybe I would email. have no problem with that. It's more – Putting someone in the position where they have to call, I feel yeah. like, in this day of phones. Well, except texting is fine, though. Right, right, But right. in this day of phones, I don't know. Like, how many times have you been booked on something that's not TV via phone?
3: No. It's, like, always Facebook. I told someone – I think it was Jackie Cation. I told Jackie Cation. I was, like, honestly, I think I would get off Facebook. But all the, like, little spots I get, like, in Los Angeles come from, like, me Facebooking or someone Facebooking oh, that's me. that's so interesting. I was, like, so I'm kind of stuck in it because I don't think people know my email address. So if I stop – I don't know their email address. Mm-hmm. If someone's like, "So, it's a run's a show, I'm like, Oh, I don't know what their email address is. I I can find them on Facebook. Yeah. So, it's almost like if I want to get up and work on stuff and I get off Facebook, I don't I don't even want that challenge of trying to figure out, "Well, how do I do it now?" Right. Yeah. Cuz
1: there's Twitter, but that's much more complicated with the direct messaging yeah. and all that. Yeah. But never
3: never like phones. Yeah. Always like Facebook.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, because I think that the actually trying to book someone for your podcast on the phone would involve you then listing a bunch of dates and then them having to look at their calendar and then call you And back. it's also
3: very – I feel like we're this new culture of like we don't want to be put on the spot to solve anything in the moment. Yes. And that's we're, why we're instant messaging is too it. hard for me. Instant messaging is becoming like, oh, God, I have to have this conversation. Like, well, you don't really. <laughs> like you could just not respond. Or somehow, like,
1: that, somehow it's like the minute – that thing pops up on your computer. It's like the person's in your living room peering at you. Yeah. It's crazy.
3: Yeah. It's the I just had sure. someone Facebook me. I do not like, even though I'm saying about bookings, I'm not good at Facebook messaging. If I go on Facebook and I see that I have messages, I then look, like, let's say, you know, when it says, like, let's say it says three messages. Mm-hmm. And then I click on it and I read one, and then I get distracted and do something else. And then it doesn't say like, you know, two left. Right. It's, it doesn't say anything. And I forget that there's some there. I miss a lot of messages. Somebody just recently wrote me saying they were coming to LA, and I looked at it, I read it. I didn't respond right away. And I, my honest thought process was like, oh, well, tomorrow's Sunday. I'm going to just go through all these Facebook things I've probably missed. And I'll just hit that one up first because it's right there. Mm. 20 minutes later, that. Guy wrote back and he goes, "Hey, I don't want to sound weird or anything, but I can see when you've read my Facebook what? messages." And I was like, "Oh, well, I'm not good at Facebook, and you're probably not going to believe this anyways." But I was going to do all this on Sunday, but either way, I'm not here when you're here. Yeah. So now it's out, done and out of the way. But in my head, I was just like. Oh, I, I wonder if that's happened. I didn't numerous times. I was
1: unaware of that,
3: I was too. I thought it was like a rumor. I've heard about that, but I thought I'm oh, not that's not real. I'm not even in the
1: Facebook circles enough to know that it's rumored.
3: I don't even know how you do that. I don't think I'd want that. I don't want to know if someone's read my message. If someone no. never gets back to me, I'll be like, ah, fine. Yeah, I don't want maybe to to them. Yeah. yeah,
1: Gary, did you know about this?
3: Yeah, I uh, I found out the hard way too.
1: How do yeah. you? Where where is this information stored <laughs> on I Facebook?
4: Don't, I don't know. There's so many. Go search – like search for like Facebook privacy settings and there's a bunch of sites out there that tell you how to do it all. Ugh. They just changed their privacy settings two weeks ago and now it's all different and it's – it doesn't necessarily keep you private if you, even if you were before. Like it's weird. It Facebook's too much for me. You want yeah. to know what
3: my immediate fear was though? Mm, what? I was like, oh, well, if that's not a rumor, that is a real thing now, then have people seen – my facebook like behavior like if right. i've gone and like right. tried to stalk people like we've all That's i'm i'm no i'm no longer hiding, hiding that there's like some people that stalk i'm now accepting we all are we like all oh who yeah. is out there and then you find yourself going through 100 photos and on 100 is when it occurs you you're a psycho and you're like <laughs> oh i have to stop but it doesn't erase the fact that you did just look at 100 so right. if these things are really out there does someone right.
1: go huh is it on your on someone your just activity? went through yeah. all
3: my pictures
1: I know. That's a good question. My fear is always what if I type the name that I'm searching into the status update bar instead of the search window?
3: Yeah. So I know. it, Yeah. Yeah. It's the um, scariest.
1: It is. And also sometimes <laughs> – I noticed this a long time ago. If you're looking at someone's page and then you click to another page, in the URL it will have like the original – like let's say I'm looking at um, – at your page, you know it'll be like Facebook, blah blah blah, Rory Scovel slash, and then the new person's thing. Yeah. So if you were to post that link, not that you would, but let's say you wanted to put a link to something, it would show like the trail of where you had been. It doesn't always do that, but oh, I've never seen see. that once. And thinking, this is scary. Facebook yeah. in general is sort of like a minefield. You have to avoid embarrassing yourself.
3: But like, think about, but th- that that alone, right there, to me is so interesting. That Facebook. Is turning us into like if you didn't have the opportunity to stalk someone, you wouldn't, right? <laughs> but now you're given the opportunity to be so so in this in in ph- philosophically. So then, are you a stalker? And now you just get to you know sort of facilitate that, or oh, yeah, are, Or are you just now becoming one because oh, you have this opportunity? Like if you got rid of Facebook, if you got rid of certain things. Would we all just be normal, or are we now becoming narcissistic because we can have our own little website where we can showcase our vacations or the cool right. thing we're doing, or even Twitter? when see people say humble brag. Like, is that person a jerk, or are they a jerk now because they can brag about the thing they're they're doing? Yeah, you
1: know what I mean. Yeah, I feel like humble brag is a thing that has specifically grown out of Twitter because yeah. it's someone wanting to promote themselves and thinking that they're they can away disguise with it. it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, that's like one of the most obnoxious qualities is the person – actually, not even – not just social media but all over the place. Someone who tries to outsmart someone else when they're really bad at it that I find (laughs) sort of – there's something insulting in that behavior. But that's – let's talk about that. That's a really good question. Um, My first thought about it is – is this really stalking or is this some other thing that right, we're right, calling right, stalking? Right. You know, yeah, like there should maybe be another word. Behavior.
3: Yeah, because stalking is pr- pretty harsh. And stalking also is like it, – it carries this whole other thing as opposed to, oh, i right. am I really stalking or am I just looking at all the pictures you've made public anyways? Well, are we you talking I mean? about
1: Xs or are we talking about just randoms? Because if it's I mean, randoms, I would argue that it's sort of voyeuristic.
3: Yeah. I mean I think it's probably – I'm willing to say that everyone's probably – gone and looked through both. Like, oh, this is my ex-girlfriend. I haven't seen it forever. And not even in a weird, creepy way. You're no. just kinda like, well what are you up to? Yeah. And you know, you go back and look. I've I've definitely done that. Um and and also the I've done the normal thing where it's like, oh we went to fifth grade together. I'm just gonna just see what your life is like. Yeah. I'm never gonna contact you. I'm we're never gonna talk, but this is kind of a weird, trippy thing for me. But then well, you know what? Maybe I just had a little slight little revelation. Did you have an well like me knowing you and see like seeing you as often I do, and I'll probably see you more often like now. Hugs, but there's a, and yeah, we'll yell hugs right yeah. we see each other. But there's a good chance like I won't go and like look through your Facebook, right? As opposed to if I hadn't seen you in ten years, then maybe I would go and yes. look through your Facebook.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, now I'm I'm lost in my own question. No, that's it,
1: yes, that's true. <laughs> I oftentimes I think to myself, I should really check my friends' Facebook pages more. My friends who are, I consider my friends, but maybe I haven't seen them in a little while. I should check their Facebook pages so I know what they're up to because I really don't know, you know, what did they do for New Year's? Blah blah blah. I'm sure there's pictures. Right. Yeah. But when I go to Facebook, it would be to find someone from the past, probably, or to, you know, not to actually contact them, but just to look some or, or yeah. someone random or someone that I don't have access to. Yeah. Right. Facebook is it's sort of like the internet in general. Well, see, I remember the realization oh my god i can search anyone that's so exciting and the truth is that i had wanted something like that before i just didn't have any way to do it okay so for me i guess i really am a stalker
3: well i think we're all doing it so maybe it's not really maybe maybe what we're coming to realize is this is what we would do we wanted this yeah because i i mean i can't imagine if you're on facebook i can't imagine you being like oh no i've never done that no like there's no way
1: no if If it didn't appeal to us innately, it wouldn't have taken off so much. Right. But the the question is, is it creating a certain kind of um, narcissism in us? I mean – I don't know.
3: I mean – but it's also that question like is it already there or is it now there because we have the means to do it? Like – If someone, you know, we all want to drive a car, but if cars didn't exist, would we think of, oh, we'll drive a car? I mean, I guess technically that did happen. (laughs) Now I'm I'm horrible (laughs) at the philosophy of my own.
1: (laughs) Well, but it's like people blame violence on video games. Right. Which I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Granted, I don't play video games other than I haven't told the world at large this yet. I've told Gary. I've been playing Sims on my iPad. Um, I know I'm years late to The Sims, but anyway, I feel. And here's the thing, though, to like save your Sims information, you have to log in through Facebook. And for the longest time, I didn't want to do it because I was afraid that it was going to say on Facebook that like Allison just you know
3: is crushing hit on Sims. (laughs) Allison is spending most of her time on Sims. No, it'd be like, like
1: no. it'd be like Allison bought a dog and can't find it, and is now googling how do I find the dog I bought on Sims. Allison is thinking of texting her sister who has done Sims to find out how she makes a banana bread thing yeah. to complete a goal.
3: Our computers are exposing the true us. Yeah, no. it's
1: it's sad, but anyway yeah but i I feel like no the reason people respond to video games is because there's a violence in us that we don't get to you know uh exercise in any way, but that's like kind of the aggression and violence is in human nature mm-hmm. and a video game I think is a good way to to you know blow off some of that steam get for like yes for yeah. lack of a better word yeah. like to sublimate it as a um I don't think it creates violence in people. I don't know, though. I wonder if there are studies that have more information about that that I would find credible. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Um, I don't know. I, I feel like – I mean think of how many people play super violent video games. I right. mean it's, such, it's like a billion-dollar industry and I mean specifically games that are probably violent mm-hmm. that much money – I mean, if that were true, if you really could blame the video games, then I don't think we'd be as civil as we are. I think it'd be, you'd have more, you know, school shootings or you'd hear it'd be more free. I mean, it's already way more frequent than needs to be. Yeah. And often that's an excuse. But if you're saying that's the cause of it and that's, and it's, you know, it's going to cause that in other people, I'd say, well, that's probably not correct because it seems like then it would be happening way more often. It seems like. You have to – I mean every single person that's done a crime like that, something horrific like that, there's something off about them and it probably would have happened whether a video game right. influenced them to do it right. or not. You right, because these
1: horrific crimes were happening before right. video games and I wonder what were they blaming you know, back then, shooting galleries or something? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, so, Rory Scovel, where are you from?
3: I grew up in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina.
1: Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, tell me.
3: Okay. Uh, I grew up there and I went to college uh, in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And then when I got into stand-up, uh, I moved to Washington, D.C. And then I moved to New York City and then I just moved here two years ago.
1: Oh, welcome. Yeah. I just moved – well, I'm from here originally, but I was in New York. And then I came okay. back in October of 2010.
3: Yeah, that was. I got here in November of that year. Now, yeah. so Well, I we... knew that you had moved. I was like, well, then I'm going too.
1: <laughs> yeah. I had updated my Facebook and you were I like, I saw it on Facebook yeah, and I was exactly. like, well, then
3: I'm moving across the country also.
1: Um, what college did you go to?
3: I went to the University of South Carolina, Spartanburg.
1: And what did you major in?
3: Uh, journalism, communications. So it's kind of weird that I do stand up and I did actually have a college education that does somewhat pertain to communicating with a large group of people, mm-hmm. which is sort of strange.
1: What did you think you wanted to go into?
3: I didn't know. I knew like in high school I wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, And I – even in college, I took communications because there were film classes that went with it. And then it was somewhere in college where I was like at this distance, I can't picture how I would do this. It seems like I'm just dreaming something like impossible. Um, And then when I got out of college, I was like – I just worked at a news station like doing camera for like a studio nightly news, you know, like local news Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And uh, that was just to have a job, but also because I was like, ah, this kind of pertains to maybe what I'll go into. There's a camera and it is journalism. Maybe I'll go down this think road. you
1: be behind the camera in front of it?
3: I w- always wanted to sort of be in front of it, um, but I was like, ah, you know, maybe I can figure out this world of how things run. I am very interested in editing and, and stuff in film in general, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll try to... I probably won't be a filmmaker, but maybe I'll do something that's close to doing something like that. And then uh, when I tried stand-up, I just had so much fun doing it the very first time that I did it that I was like, oh, I'll give this a shot. And so I moved. my sister lived in D.C. So I moved to D.C. and she got me a job so I could have some money. And, uh, what
1: were you doing in
3: D.C.? Okay. Um, I was working – I was a desktop support specialist, which oh, wow. is really just a fancy word for secretary. I <laughs> sat at a desk answering phones, surfing the internet, doing whatever the people in the office needed. What kind of business was it? It was actually it? for the uh, Department of Defense, but it was a government oh, wow. contracting like firm. So it was, I think it was like healthcare-related uh, stuff. Or, well, I know that it was. And I basically – with all that – as as important as all that sounds, and it is – my job was just, hey, the printer's broken. You're the guy who has to fix it, or call the person who has to fix it, or here's the supplies everybody needs. Go and get supplies. Make sure the conference room looks nice. If someone comes in for a meeting, entertain them for a couple minutes before the meeting starts, so that they're not, you know, I guess, super uh, impatient about the meeting starting late. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was simple. I had to, just, I had to dress up every day. That was the hardest part.
1: <laughs> How long did you do that?
3: Uh, I did that for three years.
1: And were you doing uh, no, I stand-up? No, I
3: did that for two years, I think, yeah.
1: And you were doing stand-up at the time?
3: Yeah, and that's what made it great because the day job was so simple. And it, it's a government position, so it paid stupid money for what I was doing. And everybody in the office knew I was trying to be a stand-up, and they kind of liked that, and they thought that was interesting. So I was able to get other stand-ups jobs there doing the same thing because they just there's something they liked about it. And, uh, yeah, and so I never minded being at work because – Right afterwards, I was hanging out with comics, going to do a show, going to bed, getting up and doing it all over again. Mm-hmm. Like the first three years of stand-up, uh, someone had said, like, those are the years you really want to remember. And I remember you're so focused on what you want to accomplish and, you know, can you make it and, and actually make a career out of this that you forget to really hold on to those years. And looking back, it's like, yeah, that was the most fun socially I ever had in stand-up was hanging out in D.C. with those comics.
1: Did uh, to work a government job, did you have to get a security clearance or any of that kind of stuff?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, like uh, on the for what I was doing, it was like the most minimal thing. I mean, every now and then a drug test, I think, um, but I mean, those didn't even really happen. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just like a regular background check on you. So, it's a kind of job, really, if you've graduated college and they need okay. someone, you've got it. Mm. Yeah, I don't even think you have to have graduated college, but if you have, you're ahead of the list to get that job.
1: Have you noticed what I've noticed, which is no one ever really looks into how you did in college or even where you went to college or anything like that. Like when yeah. I was going to college, I had no idea how much it was not going to matter one day. But I'd say let me as a caveat though, I'm not saying therefore I don't think it matters cuz I I think well, for like, your I'm own, really glad I went. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, for your own, like I think, growth. And yeah. I think it's good for you, for sure. Because um, I'm not
1: one of those people who's like, there's no practical application for college, so therefore you should just go to a trade school. I do believe in a liberal arts education. I just – am. no one gives a fuck.
3: Right. I mean, you if you try to go get a job right now – and just lied about where you went to school.
1: Yeah, I don't think they would check. I don't think
3: they would. I bet right. you could probably be like, "Oh, I went to well, I don't know where you went, but
1: I went to Pomona College." Yeah, but so I could j- tell them I went to any other college.
3: Yeah, I went to UCLA. They probably would never look. Right. They'd be like, "Oh, okay." If you sold it enough, like, charismatically, they'd be like, "Oh, yeah." I don't. She even, did. I'm th- Why would she lie about that? She's not crazy.
1: <laughs> I think that you could just put it on your resume. That's the thing. They don't even ask you. Yeah. You know that it's. I've never put the. I've never put it into words. Yeah. Um.
3: I had my resume in a Word document uh, that I just – I just came across a printed out resume and – because I was going through my closet and I was throwing out a lot of stuff that I just saved for years from moving to. And I was with my fiance and I came across in a folder my resume and I put it back and saved it and I sat there for a second and I go, I just saved my resume thinking, what if I need that? (laughs) Right. I was like, I think that's how little faith I have in myself with my chosen career. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's not get rid of that <laughs> right. right away. I don't have to retype it.
1: <laughs> I might need that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to have to go on an emergency kinkos run.
3: Right, yeah. And try to put a resume together remembering what I've done <laughs> right. with this nine-year gap of basically <laughs> unemployment.
1: <laughs> um. Well, so what is going on with you now? I know that you're doing a sitcom, right?
3: Uh, we're developing one, hoping that they they want to do it. Uh, myself and Scott Martyr, uh, who is a writer and executive producer on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he was wanting to work on something, and he's with CAA, and I'm with CAA, and I have I think I have good ideas, but I'm not really a writer, so I don't know what to do with them. And CAA just, in a very smart way, paired us up, and he had an idea about his parents, so we just kind of. Put the idea together and put all the characters together and went and pitched it and ABC, liked it. So he just turned the script in. I think uh, actually right now he's getting notes on that script. So, yeah, fingers crossed that they want to make it.
1: That's cool. So. And it stars you.
3: It does. Yes. There is. They also have the caveat of being like, Rory's not really working uh, for this pilot. So we're going to not we use him. So for him. <laughs> totally. So, so yeah.
1: Um, d- but he uh, how m- – weird how hard this question is for me to ask, even though the question itself is not a difficult one at all. Um, how much input did you have in the development of it?
3: Um, I think a, g- a good amount. Uh, it's really based on uh, Scott's parents, heavily based on his parents. And I think the show sold because it's so personal to him. Uh, so I kind of helped him define some of the characters and add some what if this, what if that kind of stuff. It was really the first time I've worked with someone where it just felt so natural because he's so funny, and I think he feels that I'm really funny. And I think it was just this perfect collision of I'm great at pacing around, saying what if, but I don't know what to do with that what if if mm-hmm. you like it. And he's great at going I know where to log all the what ifs, and I know how to pick out which what ifs work and add my own input. So it was, it's I, I would say that uh, we we you know we we met for about a week or two weeks, and just every day. Worked on this idea and then uh, just went out with it. So.
1: What ifs, meaning like he would say, you know, here's a a premise and you'd say, well, what if?
3: Yeah. And back and forth. And I'd say and I would come up with like dialogue where I'm like, ah, this seems like probably something that would happen maybe in episode five. But what if the dad said this to the son and then he would just write it down and be mm-hmm. like, oh, that's great dialogue or oh, I can sh- sharpen that up. Or he was also great at going, no, it's not funny. In which case I'm like, oh, great. Because I'm horrible at going, what should this character's name be? And that's three days wasted that I wonder (laughs) what the character's name should be. And he's great at going, well, let's just move on. Let's not care. Or, oh, that's a good idea. Let's go down that path and I'll just go down it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Scott's been a really great sort of captain of this team, keeping my head in check.
1: The general – the show – well, what I read on Deadline Mm -hmm. is that it's about like a – type a overachiever who moves back in with his parents to take care of them is that right
3: yeah everybody all of them are his parents are both only children he's also an only child so uh their sort of uh issues fall on him because there's no one else in the family there's no cousins there's no uncles it's mm-hmm. all him having to deal with it and there the the amount of uh, stress they're causing him and his wife are sort of breaking him and his wife up, and so he's going to go home and put it an into all of it, and he kind of comes to realize that he's just as screwed up as they are. Um, so yeah. So
1: he goes home to kind of have a standoff, I mean like you're, yeah. And why are they putting stress on? They're ju- because
3: they're newly retired. Um, um, and so they've come to realize that even in their retirement, they're starting to hate each other as <laughs> a couple. And he's like, oh, we'll get a divorce. And they're like, "Ah, oh, we don't. It, it, what I like about the show is that we want to make sure that The parents aren't just deemed like, here's young people thinking older people are crazy. We kind of want to give both sides because I think there is both sides. Mm -hmm. I think when older people say, "Ah, you young people, like you're you're this way and it's – I'm not always like, ah, you're just old. I'm starting to realize – I'm 32 and I'm starting to realize like, oh, some of the stuff you say is right. But also some of the stuff I say about you being crazy is also right and that kind of was – we're so like, oh, it's well, so that's...
1: uncomfortable, that realization.
3: <laughs> it is. It's, it's weird because you, so I, think nuanced. It's, I, I feel like it's in the 30s that that happens yeah. because now you're old enough to see that you think teenagers are crazy. Yes. But you're also young enough to remind yourself you don't want to sound like a 50-year-old person right. who's like just mad at teenagers. So you're still like, all right, some of the stuff, but I get it because I probably did it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then, and it's, you're almost right in the middle.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Not knowing – Whether to relate to the parents or the kids in a given situation. Yeah,
3: and you don't want to be the uncool person who just thinks the kids are always the problem. You're like, and you, you're. I think you're more honest about like, well, the kids aren't always the issue. Sometimes adults are crazy too. So, with that in mind, we're like, ah, it seems like sort of a perfect foundation for this Mm. show is that perspective. And
1: is it um, single camera or multi camera? Multi camera. Yeah,
3: multi camera. Yeah.
1: When do you find out what goes on with it? I
3: don't know. I mean, we get the notes today, and then uh, I would imagine sometime maybe this month or early next month, I think, we'll we'll know if they want to go to pilot or mm-hmm. not, and I'll find out if I get to be a part of it. Well, so, that's really
1: exciting. Yeah,
3: it's it's very surreal, so it's cool.
1: Um, there's something very zeitgeisty, I think, right now about uh, kids moving back in with their parents.
3: Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's happening a lot. I think that's a common story. In fact, even when it got posted uh, on Deadline, that deadline, that exact article, some comments where I think some people didn't even really read the description of the show, but they were just like, oh, another guy moves in with his parents to reconnect with his hometown. And some people I think were friends with Scott would then comment like, oh, you know, it was the part about reconnecting with the hometown that I agree. Oh, wait, no, they never said that. The show's nothing about that. So we were trying to think of, well, what's a way where a guy moves home and it seems more – I don't know how to say it, like more honest. Like I do think that you do have a lot of like, oh, kids moving home. But then it's sort of in that honest vein. It's like there are a lot of kids that live at home now. Not kids, like Mm -hmm. people in their 30s, late 20s. It seems to be really like a thing of like, no, back in probably settler days, everybody lived together for a long time. And then that went away for 100 years. And now we're back to kids never leave. See,
1: I think that. In reality – this would be my assessment, I think. In reality, <laughs> kids are moving back home or staying home because of economics. Yeah. But on TV or movies, what we're seeing are these sort of fun, more palatable twists on it because the idea of just someone who can't afford it, who moves back home, that's not as fun Sad. to watch.
3: It's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that actually is is done a lot, the person who has to move back home. Um, yeah. And I'm not necessarily against it. I think anything can work. But, uh, yeah, we thought about that with this one. We were like, well, let's have the guy be, like, pretty self-sufficient. Let's have mm-hmm. him actually be a pretty smart guy and have the parents maybe in terms of, like, technology and stuff play the parents as as probably most parents are where they're like, I don't know how computers work. And the guy actually can hold a job, but psychologically – his, because he's an only child and his parents' being only child there's damage for all three of them, so it's more like psychologically that's what's you know ruining his marriage and causing mm-hmm. him to stay there and be like all right i'm gonna fix you guys yeah and be like more like a live in therapist rather than this guy who's like oh, I don't have any money, I gotta mm-hmm. live here you know
1: right yeah, right, and I think also um uh, people in their thirties who find themselves in positions of If you have older parents and you're then caring for them health-wise, that's like a whole different dynamic as well that can take you back home.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think we try to include all that. mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, it sounds good. I can't wait to watch it with you in it.
3: Man, I think – thank you. I think the script is really uh, funny. So I think what he turned in recently and what they're talking about today, I think it's really funny. But uh, it's it's so interesting being in – uh, entertainment as you uh, know that these things that seem like so like oh it's so great and then they're like ah no we just can't do it you're like yeah. oh okay so it's, it's one of those things I'm super excited about but I'm only allowing my excitement to go to a certain yeah. level where I'm like alright well I'm keeping everything in place. I'm still doing my normal stuff, and I'm not like letting myself go into the right. fantasy of well, what would life be like if I could have a job like this that I would love? you know, yeah. I, I won't let it happen, so
1: yeah, yeah, I had um, do you know who Sarah Schaefer is? Yes, yeah, yeah, I had Sarah in here, and I forget exactly what we're talking about, but um she her like, expectations and excitement level about her new show are – you can tell it's so – like, she is so keeping that yes. on, in a realistic level. Yes. She, there's no part of her that's like, woohoo, I have a show, you know, yeah. which I'm like, that you should feel – like, congratulations, that's so great, you know. Yeah. But it's just like, you never know, da-da-da-da, like, Yeah, which I, I, say, I get, I'm, you know? I'm uh,
3: very good friends with her boyfriend, uh, Scott Moran. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I've, over, like, the past probably two years or a year and a half, I've seen, like, how she maintains – uh it, it in a weird way it's like this uh it's very professional. Yeah. To be like, ah well never I'll never have a I'll never think anything's like a sure thing. And that's probably why she now does have like a show because of that. But I know what you mean. There is a party that wants to just throw her a surprise party and be like, fuck, just scream. Yeah. I want you to throw this champagne at a – I want this full bottle, smash it against that brick wall and just yell at the ceiling. Right. But I like that she's like, no, no, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll, yeah that's we'll, what it we'll is. It's like It's very yeah. mafia-esque. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> um, you have a sister. Do you have other siblings?
3: I have four sisters and two brothers. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'm the second oldest. Wow. The oldest boy. Are, are these
1: <laughs> same parents, all of you guys?
3: Uh, no. My older sister and I, we had a mother. She passed away when we were very young. And then uh, then it's all like half sisters and half brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So how are you relating to the only child thing being someone who has um, not an only child at all?
3: Not at all. Scott is an only child. So it's more like definitely me taking on his mentality uh, with it, with, with, I guess, my sort of delivery and, and sense of humor a little bit. But... Yeah, I'm the, I'm the exact opposite with so many siblings what fighting was, for attention. And, yeah,
1: what what was what was your childhood like?
3: Um it was great. I I love having a lot of siblings. I think it's fantastic I liked coming from a big house and a big family. I I like there being lots of people also everybody in my family is very funny and also like a bunch of smart asses, so it definitely sort of steered me in this direction of being able to see something happen and having to hold your own on your funny comment or when to slide in your funny comment i i tried to describe it as i i come from a family where if you tripped and fell down my whole family would ask you if you're okay and as soon as you said yes it was like well then here come so (laughs) we're gonna make fun of you so hard for what happened now that we know that you're all right so not like total jerks but there will be a point when you're like all right let's we all remember i fell let's stop doing it so i Sort of grew up in that family. So with a lot of my younger brothers and sisters, I was the first person to try to be like, I am going to throw in a comment. I'm going to try to make as many jokes about this thing. So I find that I have a lot of younger siblings who are very quiet. Probably because – They
1: hate you? I was just so
3: overpowering <laughs> about trying to keep attention. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think they hate me, but I bet there is a little resentment of like, oh, if, if something happens, like, oh, if Rory were here, we wouldn't hear the end of it for an hour. <laughs> like,
1: What's the age difference between you and the next one?
3: Uh, she, I believe, is 23 or 24. So, yeah, it's almost it's eight, eight years. Eight years, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how old were you when your mom died?
3: It was on my first birthday, oh. so one years old. Yeah, she had uh, um, Hodgkin's disease, mm-hmm. which she had um, – I don't know exactly know when she was diagnosed with it, but I think had it like during the whole pregnancy or most of the pregnancy. So it was uh, – once I was born, I – because I have no memory of this, so it's like family telling me. But I think she stayed in the hospital or was in and out of the hospital. I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. It's a weird thing I've talked about it. um, you ever listen to Pete Holmes's podcast? I do. It's, I talked about it with him, and it was so strange we really got into this really cool, deep uh place about it but i I try to tell him I have friends who like have made jokes about it that I always find really funny in a weird way because it's like something you know i I don't know what I can do about it, but it is kind mm-hmm. of funny to laugh about those kind of things, not in a disrespectful way, right, but yeah. It's it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, I know. I wish I I, I haven't heard uh, your episode of Pete Holmes, so I'm gonna oh, have okay. to go listen afterwards. This is how
3: I sell people to listen to it. <laughs> I bring <laughs> yeah. it up. Well, right. you really should listen to yeah. uh, my. Episode. I think that's what made
1: me feel okay asking you about it. Is I can tell that you seem very like not. It doesn't seem it's not raw at yeah, all. Yeah,
3: it's one of those things where I. Whenever I see someone who last night I did uh, that the 51st Jokes uh, show at the Downtown Independent, some uh, Whitmer Thomas and uh, DC Pearson had talked about having dead moms and it kind of became this theme and then i said i had a dead mom but the way i said it it seemed like i was making fun of them and trying to (laughs) i was like my mom's dead too if that wins any points i think people thought i was just saying it to try to win over the audience when in reality i was like no i'm trying to say that i i have it too but it was this it's this kind of uh this weird thing of uh i kind of lost my train of thought going now i'm picturing 50 first jokes over and over again um
1: i was saying you don't seem raw
3: yeah, no, yeah, cuz I I pictured Whit, Whitmer and uh DC and I was I didn't ask them this but I was like, "Oh, I wonder what age they were because I think that's so different. Like I come from an age where I never knew my mother. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't say if that's easier or harder than someone whose mom died maybe when they were 14, like a really critical age, like right. in their teenage years. Uh someone in their 30s if their mother dies, I'd like to think that's probably easier to deal with. You did have a lot of yeah. time, but also, you're more mature. Your outlook on, like, death is probably very different. But, right. yeah, I've always looked at it where I don't – I don't know how I – I don't know it, – like, it is a sad thing, but it's also, like, I'm 32, so I've had 31 years mm-hmm. of it not being there. So it's, like, a lot of time that you can, you know, move on, right. I guess. And then it just becomes, like, a little thing in the back of your head all the time.
1: Um, how do you feel when you look at a picture of your mom?
3: Um I don't know because I've only seen so many pictures. So it's always like the same pictures. It's 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 kind of weird. It's like a stranger, really, because mm-hmm. you don't know. But you're, it's this weird attachment to a stranger where uh, you don't know the voice. My grandparents, I just found out, have these like reels of video footage of my mom. And I'm like, you got to put this on DVD. I was like me and my older sister, we have never yeah. – we don't have any memory of seeing our mother like in motion, mm-hmm. like doing something. I was like, that's probably very – Uh, emotionally like something great to see and so I'm trying to get them to put it on uh, DVD which I think they're trying to do so we can like watch it but yeah it's weird like if if I heard her voice it would I probably immediately start crying I like wouldn't know how to take that in because I don't know that and I don't know her physicality Mm -hmm. you know it's it's those kind of weird things that I mean I don't know if a lot of people like would Factor that in if they thought about it, but yeah, you think about those kind of things,
1: right? As a, was it something you do? You recall feeling sad about it as a kid, or like what mm-hmm. was your how, What was your take on it as growing up? I
3: don't at all. My aunt uh, immediately started moved in with me and my sister and my dad, and she was his younger sister, and so immediately started taking care of us. And I was you know one years old, so I think I had just started like walking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like I I don't have like this recollection of. Loss. You know, maybe I always wonder this too because you could totally say, well, there's something psychologically damaging you haven't become aware of like this loss. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, sure, that's there. Who knows? Like, if I have a breakdown one day, I could maybe attribute it to that. I don't know. But keep it in your back pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't really know uh, because my aunt immediately moved in and started taking care of us. And she was very much like, from a very early age saying, you know, I'm your aunt, you know, making it very clear. I'm not your mother. I'm your aunt and your mother passed away. And as a kid, you eventually – I feel like I remember even as a kid, uh, I became more attached to my aunt who when my dad remarried. My dad uh, remarried I think when I was seven. So when my aunt – before before my dad remarried, my aunt had moved out and I remember her like coming back to visit and when she would visit and then leave, she like moved to another city. When she would leave, it destroyed me. So I equate right. that in a way of like, oh, that's probably
1: Some what of those that feelings. you know. I'm probably
3: attributing it to that. Mm-hmm. And that, those are very vivid memories. I remember it very clearly, like what that felt like. So when yeah. she
1: when she left,
3: like when she would leave, yeah, yeah. What did and it I remember feel like? like I mean, it was just like devastated and just heartbreaking because this was someone who like you know raised you. Yeah, it was like a mom. And I and th- yeah, and this is someone, and you're like. I want to say I was maybe uh, six years old and she had taken us to – she she lived in Florence. So it was like a good three, three to four-hour drive away and she was leaving this one morning but she was taking me and my sister to school and I remember the whole ride to school. I knew that she was leaving because this has happened before and I knew she was leaving. And I got out of the car, and we were, like, walking up. She was walking up to you. Uh, at school, you had to get in line for your class. So it was, like, kindergarten through fifth grade. And I remember I was holding it in. I was just like, I'm you know, going to class. Everything's fine. And I just, like, broke into tears, and I dropped my stuff. I was like, I don't want you to go. And she, oh. like, had to leave. And I look back on that now, and I'm like, like, that was so much, like, for me to deal with. But I can't imagine for her— what that must like a little kid saying that to yeah. you, and you have to go, and you're not coming back for like months right. to visit again. You right. know what I mean? So, I would say the going back to the question of like, do you remember that thing? I would attribute it to those moments for sure, because mm-hmm. I think that's probably as close as it would feel. Right. You know. Yeah.
1: Right. So she lived with you till you were six. Is that what you said?
3: I think so. I don't totally remember. I think yeah. I think I want to say six or seven. And- so I was in second grade when my dad remarried. So I would have been seven. And I know that that particular instance I'm talking about happened in the first grade. Um, and so, did yeah.
1: did she move out because your dad was going to remarry?
3: I think so. And I think it had gotten to a point where because she moved in with us to start taking care of us right out of college. So this is like someone who's like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to do this and this. And then me it was like, I'm putting everything on hold for five yeah, straight years. Right. So I think it had gotten to a point where you know she needed to go get uh, more um, school and like get like into her teaching program and start her own life. So I think that's more what was happening
1: is she still in your life
3: oh yeah very much so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah.
1: and how did you feel when your dad got remarried
3: um i never have uh i don't have like this like i always (laughs) thought about that like i don't have like the tv style i hate you
1: you're not my real mom (laughs) yeah i don't
3: think i'd ever really i i mean sure there's a lot of instances and I, i don't necessarily think that my family is like super close but i never had like that sort of typical teenage outlash of like you're not my real mom, you know. Mm-hmm. You know it's I, I haven't been like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Um, just one more question about this and then mm-hmm. we can move on to lighter things. Totally, no worries. Do you think that the way it affected your dad, um, and I don't know how it affected your dad, but do you think the way it affected your dad affected you? Cuz like I know that so my mom lost both of her parents when she was 31 and it I think her her mourning um was kind of wordlessly passed down, passed on to my little sister who was like two at the time. Just, I think it's just my sense is that in a way that it was traumatic for her, not just sort of, you know, everything that happened, but I think that for a little while, my mom wasn't there as much Right. for a while my mom wasn't there. Like mentally checked out. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Um, As a kid, I can't say. I mean, from what I'm told from my family, I mean, you can imagine it was devastating. I mean, what a horrible thing to go through. But I don't know, I don't have any memory of like what, being so young that I guess when I can really start remembering stuff, maybe I was around four when you really maybe can start to actually have a memory Mm -hmm. of things happening. So around four, it had passed for about three years. So my earliest memories aren't are more of like fun, like lighthearted, you know, um, being a good dad. But uh yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if I can relate to that specifically. Mm-hmm. Like what you're saying with your sister. Um right. because I don't think I remember him checking out mentally because I think he might have been over that phase. Not that you yeah. ever get over it, but, but over he had that some time init- to yeah. I mean, and that prepare. was a time frame where I wouldn't really remember my youth anyways. Right. So yeah. Right.
1: And what's the age difference between you and your older sister?
3: a year and a half. Yeah.
1: Um, so, OK, you went to D.C. and then you went to New York to continue pursuing comedy. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I was in a position where I didn't know if I want to move to Chicago or New York and I was about to move to Chicago and uh, I did the Seattle comedy competition and I had gone – I had a really good first night in that competition. That was the only night like there were industry judges. You know when you always hear that. it's <laughs> There's no industry people. But I guess this night that was like legitimately industry people – and it ended up getting me like some meetings that I was way too – I didn't understand meetings. I did know how to like compose. I didn't know what to be prepared for. But it was enough in those meetings for them to be like – Well, yeah, we'd like to see you doing stuff. And, you know, if you're in Chicago, it'll be harder than if Mm you're in New York where we, you know, are in or in L.A. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to move to L.A. But
1: because it just seemed too far.
3: It seemed too far. And I also, even though I was so immature and didn't really understand my career anyways, there was just something instinctually. I was like "Ah, L.A. feels like towards the when you've got (laughs) it figured out. I was like, and you know, I'm doing stand up. I know. You know, from what I've heard, New York is just more for stand-up, so it just made sense. Also, already being on the East Coast, I was like, we can drive four hours north mm-hmm. as opposed to flying <laughs> across the country. So, right?
1: Yeah. Were you already with your um, yeah, fiance? fiance. We, at that time? we met
3: in uh, uh, DC, so okay. yeah, we already we had just started living together, and then I was like, we should move to New York. And she's more of a stage actress; so mm-hmm. she loves like Broadway and stuff. So she was like super into it, and I think wanted to live in New York at some point, anyways. So,
1: where in New York did you guys live?
3: We started in Hoboken, New Jersey, um, and then we lived in Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn, and then we lived in the Lower East Side. Um, always lived, when we lived in Bushwick, we lived with two other couples in a uh, loft. Mm -hmm. So there were six people, three couples. It was like the worst scenario you could ever
1: Like an artist loft, one of those sort of things that you look at it and you think humans shouldn't live like this.
3: Yeah, super artsy. I mean, it looks nice, but after like two months, you're like, oh, I'm starting to see the flaws. This is not (laughs) good living at all.
1: (laughs) Right. Were there parties there all the time? My experience of Bushwick yeah. Lofts is that there are always things happening. Yeah, there fun, were there fun, were always parties in other things.
3: other places. And I think I had maybe just gotten to an age where I just wasn't into that uh, yeah. anymore. And also, I don't know. I was really having fun doing stand up. So I I don't know how you feel, but I I I almost miss certain elements of New York the way I miss the way I was talking about DC. Like there was like that moment. Every time in stand-up, at least in D.C. and New York, you are living in a moment in time that you, you don't realize till you're not in it anymore. Mm. But New York was so fun.
1: I, yeah, yeah, I definitely miss New York. In fact, people – just a few people, a handful, two maybe. <laughs> might just be one with a couple different screen names who get up my ass about how <laughs> – they'll be like, did you ever live in New York? I can't tell because evidently I talk too much about it. But fuck you. It was a large <laughs> chunk of my life. Yeah. And the person I was before I moved to New York and who I am now – are pretty different. I mean, and that might just be based on the big chunk of time that it was because of New York. Yeah, but it's yeah. like I spent a lot of my twenties in New York, so for me, it's special. So fuck off, people.
3: I think if anybody thinks you talk about New York too much, they didn't live. They've never lived in New York. That's because right. Because you just can't talk about New York enough. Like New York is amazing. It's mm-hmm. the most fun city. I haven't been to every city, but of the ones I've been to, it's yeah. the most fun city I've ever been in. So.
1: so, what what made you decide to move here then?
3: Um, if you I love think- it
1: so much, can't <laughs> stop talking about it. No, I, could, I
3: had to get out mafia stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think I just got to a point where I, I now had uh, uh, reps who could you know get me into this TV film world that I wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back to like college where I want to be a filmmaker, and I was like, oh, you know, I maybe I won't make films, but I'm definitely in a position where I can audition for stuff. Not that I get anything, but. I you know I said to my fiance I was like now it seems like a time to go if this window's open I've seen this window close for people who didn't move and I was like we can always move back here easily mm-hmm. so that's kind of what led me out to Los Angeles was like ah oh, it just feels like the right pace for you know I, I, I always say that I'll never stop doing stand up I don't really know that I love doing stand up right now and I, I can foresee myself doing it for a long time but right now I'm really interested in also trying to become a good actor like I think I'm okay doing like silly comedy stuff just because of stand up but I would actually like to see if I can be an actor Mm -hmm. and the only way to do it is you know to be here and try to dive in
1: hey you guys it's me Allison again don't forget to download part two bright and early Thursday morning which possibly means really late Wednesday night write it on your hand bye you guys I love you hey do you know about the Allison Rosen show
2: show Show.